I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me in segments two and three of today's program is my special guest, Dr. Robert McHugh. Uh, Dr. McHugh is one of the hardest working analysts in the financial industry. He looks at markets using technical analysis. If you're not clear as to what that is, stay tuned. We'll explain it to you. And more importantly, we'll give you Dr. McHugh's forecast for not only stocks and bonds, but also gold moving ahead. So again, that's in segments two and three of today's program. If you have not yet gotten my December client-only newsletter, the time is running short to order it. To get the report, all you need to do is visit requestyourreport.com, and I'll be glad to send it to you. Uh, In the newsletter, I talk about this predictable cycle of inflation followed by deflation, and it certainly seems like we're on that course. In my 2011 book, Economic Consequences, I talked about this, and now it is playing out seemingly uh, before our very eyes. So to get some insights on this cycle, to get some insights on how you might manage your retirement funds moving ahead in light of this cycle, visit requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to send that client-only newsletter, and I'll be glad to do that. And uh, when you do that, I'll also send you a holiday gift. I'll send you a free copy of my newly revised for 2024 revenue sourcing book. Uh, and I'll automatically send that to you when it's available when you go to requestyourreport.com and request the client-only newsletter. You know, one of the worst things I think that you can hear from someone is, I told you so. Don't you just hate it when people say, I told you so? Well, you might want to turn the dial or stop the broadcast if you're listening on a podcast because I'm going to say it, I told you so. Now, what am I talking about? Well, seems like the Federal Reserve, the central bank of the United States, as I predicted, is ready to pivot. What does that mean? Well, that means after increasing interest rates, they're now talking about interest rates cuts. Now, I want to take a little back and trip back in time here because back in May of 2022, I shared with you on this very program and in my newsletter, and if you want to go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com, you can look at the newsletter from May 23, 2022, and see this posted there. I suggested to you that stocks are following the script from 2018. The Fed tightens and stocks fall. I continued by saying the big question here is whether the Fed stays the course and continues to tighten. By that, I mean, do they continue to raise interest rates into the future? I said, count me among the doubters. I went on to explain that at a certain point, the Fed would likely have to reverse course, which now it appears they are ready to do. And then July 18, 2022, here on the program and in my weekly newsletter, Portfolio Watch, and again, you can go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com to check this out, I said, quote, I expect that the Fed will ultimately reverse course on the interest rate increases so, quote, the economy can be supported, end quote. I should also point out there are some analysts who disagree with me on this, arguing that the dollar would be devalued to an even greater extent, further threatening its use as an international currency. 
I believe I wrote that is the outcome the Fed will choose, given that the other choice is a painful deflationary period. So now it seems that the Fed is ready to reverse course. It seems this pivot, this about face, is getting close. Now here's what's interesting to me. What's interesting to me is the short time that elapsed from the Fed, the central bank saying it would stay the course and keep interest rates at their current levels, to the Fed saying that they are prepared to cut interest rates. Now, there was an article published by a news source, AFP, on December 1, and the headline of the article was, U.S. Fed Chair Says Premature to Speculate on Rate Cuts. So on December 1, it was reported that Fed Chair Powell said it was too early to speculate on rate cuts. Then the same news source, AFP, on December 30, 2023, published this headline, Fed Policymakers Discuss Timeline to Start Rate Cuts, Powell. So here in the course of 12 days, in the course of less than two weeks, the Fed went from saying it's premature to speculate on rate cuts to saying it's time to start talking about a timeline for rate cuts. Now, Zero Hedge published an article on this. I want to give you just a bit from the article. One day after the Fed's bizarre, unexpected pivot, many are struggling to wrap their heads around what happened. What exactly changed in less than two weeks for Powell to go from telling the market it was premature to conclude with confidence that we have achieved a, that we have achieved a sufficiently restrictive stance or to speculate on when policy might ease? to suddenly warning that rate cuts are something, quote, that begins to come into view and is clearly a topic of discussion out in the world and also a discussion for us at our meeting today. So in 12 days, Powell and the Fed did a complete about face. They pivoted. So the question is, what changed in less than two weeks? Was it the economic data that was reported? Well, the answer to that question is an unequivocal no. Inflation came in hotter than expected. When inflation is coming in hotter than expected, when inflation is higher than expected, you would not expect rate cuts. You would expect rates to stay high or perhaps a rate increase. That's not a reason to consider interest rate cuts. Retail sales were also higher. Now, I wouldn't read too much into retail sales because credit card debt is also at an all-time high. But the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Report was higher also. So when you consider those three things, when you consider that inflation came in hotter than expected, retail sales were higher, and consumers are feeling somewhat more optimistic than they were last month, why would the Fed cut interest rates? And why would they start talking about it just 12 days after they said it was premature to speculate on it? Well, there are only two reasons. One, I won't talk about here on the program. I will leave that to those that are political commentators because certainly there is the political aspect 
of all this. But the other reason is simply math. See, the Fed right now has three choices when looking at the U.S. government uh, budget. Now, the last fiscal year, we saw a budget deficit of $2 trillion. This year, in an election year, count me cynical, color me cynical, but I would not, I would not be surprised that we see a $3 trillion deficit. That $3 trillion deficit has to be financed by selling U.S. government debt, by selling U.S. treasuries. At the same time, as we've reported here on the program in the past, there's over $7 trillion of existing U.S. government debt that's going to need to be refinanced at much higher interest rates. Now, last year, in the last fiscal year, the cost to service the U.S. debt was about $650 billion. That was the cost of interest on the debt. Now, if you take $7.5 trillion and finance that at about 4% more interest, that's another $300 billion. Take $300 billion and add it to $650 billion, and now it's costing $950 billion a year. Dare we say a trillion dollars a year for interest on the debt. And if we have a $3 trillion deficit, that's going to add another $120 billion. So we're at about $1.1 trillion at the end of next year just for carrying costs on U.S. government debt. If you do the math, and I'll walk you through the math in segment four of today's program, you cannot solve that problem by increasing taxes. If you're going to cut spending, the spending cuts would have to be so deep and so draconian that we would automatically get into this deflationary period, this deflationary depression, if you will, that I have suggested at some point in the future is inevitable. So the only other option is continue to create currency. And I believe that the Fed is now painted into a corner. And I believe that that will mean more inflation moving ahead. If you'd like to get a precious metals buyer's guide, I'll talk more about it in the last segment to potentially protect yourself. Go to plpmetals.com. That's Papa Lima, Papa Metals, plpmetals.com. Be glad to send you a precious metals buyer's guide, also absolutely free. I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Dr. Robert McHugh. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me on today's program once again is returning guest, Dr. Bob McHugh. Uh, many of you who are longtime listeners will recognize Bob as uh, I'll describe him as the hardest working technical analyst in the business. Uh, Bob puts out um, tons and tons of analysis on the markets and the economy. You can check out his work at technicalindicatorindex.com. Uh, I follow his work, would encourage you to do that as well. Uh, he also offers a platinum trading program to subscribers that gives them ideas on how to make money, whether the market goes up or down using options or exchange traded funds. And we have we have time. We'll chat with him about that. But first, Bob, uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Dennis. Always great to be here. So, Bob, we were chatting a bit. Uh, you, uh, which is normal for you, have been doing lots and lots of research. And you mentioned that you've got five fundamental economic points that would make you, I guess this might be an understatement, but would make you not really an optimist for the economy and where we go from here. Can, can you expand? Yeah, I actually 
what I see right now is uh, that the markets and the economy are at a very dangerous place. And I think it's going to catch a lot of people off guard because of the, the mainstream media and the financial pundits and those that benefit from uh, people uh, investing and so on uh, for their own self-centered reasons uh, are going to catch a lot of people off guard here. Um, so what I, what I have found is that every single time, 100% of the time, that the Federal Reserve has had a strong rising interest rate cycle, and then they stop. Every single time since 1913 when they started, we have had an economic recession that was severe or depression and a stock market crash shortly start shortly thereafter. Well, we are there again now. Uh, there, there's a, they're about to stop raising interest rates. If they're pausing or they're stopping, then we are in that exact same position for the 10th time, 12th time since 1913. This has been a repeating pattern of behavior over and over. I can't imagine why it would be different this time. A second point was uh, the Fed's balance sheet. The Fed's balance sheet has been declining $1.2 trillion in the last year. That's a lot of money being pulled out of the market. That's a lot of liquidity being pulled out of the market. And it can, it can contribute to severe uh, liquidity crises, liquidity problems throughout the economy, including the banking system. Um, the money supply is dropping the most it's dropped ever. Uh, we've seen four other instances, three other instances where they, they, the money supply has dropped this much in a short period of time. We've just seen it drop 3.3% in the last year. The last four times that this happened were 1920, 21, 1929 to 33, 1937 to 38, and in the 40s. There were stock market crashes each time and there was an economic depression and recession. Bank lending is down sharply. Bank credit uh, lending is down 2%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's one of the most dramatic drops in, in bank lending we've seen in, in, ever. Uh, the last two times this happened, the stock market dropped 50%, and we had an economic severe recession, a great recession in 2007, and the prior recession in the early 2000s. Those three events are happening all simultaneously right now. Uh, and so what I'm saying is that we have to be very, very careful about what we're looking at uh, on the fundamental economic side of the, of the equation. So Bob, let me, uh, let me just jump in. And uh, I was making some notes as you went through that, but you said the money supply is is falling and and it hasn't done that in fact i read a piece uh, by mises this past week that i think this is the first time in 28 years that 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 the money supply has declined at all much less to, to this extent and the time frames you uh mentioned if if i was paying attention and caught it all are all prior to the dollar having uh you know it's in the 20s the 30s the 40s and we have a completely different banking system today and the dollar is a total fiat currency today. So isn't it interesting and, and that, that, that we have a uh, really a money supply decline of this magnitude when um, you know, we haven't seen it in three decades or so? Yeah, 
It is. It's fascinating. And I think one of the problems is banks have loaned up. The banking system's loaned up. The, uh, many, many banks, if people take a look at the bank balance sheets of their banks they're putting their money in, the loans are equal to or greater than the deposits. I mean, we saw that in the Mar March of this past year, three or four of the banks went down the toilet because the, the ir irrational lending. So if the in some many cases, they're loaning loan more money than they have deposits. So that means they are dependent on borrowed money. And if the Fed is pulling money out of the system like crazy, which they are, and it has nothing to do with interest rates. It has nothing to do with rising interest rates. If interest rates go down right now, that's an independent event that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about here. The pulling of liquidity out of the system is very, very dangerous right now. And so I think the, that the, the fundamental change here is that uh, the banking system is, is loaned up and uh, delinquencies are rising and, and lending is, 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 is just, it's just not happening like it needs to, to facilitate a growing economy and support the stock market. Bob, I guess I'd like your reaction to this because it seems to me that, you know, over the last three and a half years with the exception of maybe, maybe this year, but really from uh, early 2020 on, uh, there was so much liquidity injected into the system, so much currency creation, to use that term, that it, it was really extreme. And, and, and now as, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of coming out of this artificial environment, doesn't the, doesn't the, the counteraction to that action have to be just as extreme? And that's what I'm, I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. And I, and I agree with that. You're, you're right. I really think you're right. I mean, when they pumped all that money into the system in a short period of time, a year, couple of years, put like they grew their balance sheet, like $6 trillion, which had never been done before. I mean, we're used to seeing a balance sheet of, a, of 1 trillion for, for decades. And all of a sudden they jumped at 6 trillion up to 9 trillion. What it did is it created the hyperinflation that, that they, that, that we've been seeing and, and, you know, their, their CPI numbers and PPI numbers are, are not correct. We know that. Anybody that lives and breathes knows that prices have gone up 25 to 100 percent on everything across the board uh, over the last couple of years. Well, we're not getting that back. That, that's, not, that's here to stay. I mean, if inflation starts at 2 percent, they get it down to 2 percent, the damage is already done. Prices are already up. They're not going back. The CPI would have to drop 50 percent to get us back to where we are with the purchasing power we had, you know, before this uh, lockdown and, and reaction by the, by the Fed occurred. So we're, we're really not gaining anything, uh, e even with low inflation rates at this point. So, Bob, we've got inflation. Uh, certainly when you see the, uh, the money supply falling to the extent that uh, you mentioned, uh, that's deflationary. Uh, so what does this ultimate end game look like? Where, where does the economy end up in your view? What does it look like and how might our average listener that, you know, wants to keep their 401k and IRA money growing for them, they, they, they aspire to a comfortable retirement. What does this look like down the road in your view for them? Well, it's, it's going to be a challenge because, you know, at some point the stock market is going to realize that, the economy is not doing well. I mean, the GDP numbers that come out, most of it, a lot of that was government spending. I mean, it's just not in the real economy. Uh, so, and, and so it's gonna to be tough to, to, to manage your 401k 
in a safe manner and make some money. I mean, you know, uh, interest income uh, on, on FDIC insured deposits, uh, maybe a little bit timing the market here and there, up or down, playing that. It's it's not going to be easy. That's why I think the economic recession possibility is very high because everything contracts when that happens and incomes go down and wealth of opportunity goes down. So it's going to be it's going to be rough sledding at this point. Well, I think you make an interesting point. In fact, I think it was Charles Hugh Smith that wrote a piece that said that uh, just looking at groceries from 2020 uh, to the present time, so going back three years, you need 34% more income just to meet just to have the same standard of living. So if you made $100,000 in 2020, you need 134,000 to be able to live exactly like you did then. And with 60% plus of American households living paycheck to paycheck, uh, that kind of explains why we're seeing these uh, rising delinquency rates on subprime auto loans, why uh, you know, we've got uh, bank lending pulling back, bankers are getting nervous. So um, in, in your view then, if I may have, I'm hearing what you're saying, this all really is just getting started. Is that is that a fair assessment of, 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 of what you think? Yes, that's right. It is all getting started. And that's what the technical analysis charts, that's the other side of our work. We've been talking about fundamentals here and then the technical side, uh, which I do, um, it, it's, it's the charts that are saying, we're just getting started with what's coming. This is gonna be a very, very deep, serious, long decline in, in economic uh, growth and in, uh, and in prosperity and what we've all been kind of used to for years. Uh, it, we're headed into some very serious times. And I, like you said, it's, I think it's just getting started. We're at the tip here. So Bob, we have just a little over a minute left, minute and a half left in this segment. Uh, tell the listeners a bit about your work at technicalindicatorindex.com and tell them a little bit about your platinum trading program. Okay, sure. Thank you. Well, we have a, a newsletter we produce every day and, a, and an expanded one on a weekend where we look at all this that we're talking about. We look at uh, the, the, where the stock markets and, and other markets, gold and uh, oil and, and, and bonds and everything are headed using charts, technical analysis charts. But we also study the, the fundamental economics and try to merge the two to come to a conclusion of where things are headed. And we look at a short-term, intermediate term, and long-term so we can get a perspective of, you know, what's the big picture and what's the close-up picture. And then in our trading programs, we have an, uh, I, I, we provide ideas. We provide alerts with ideas of, gee, let's play the market to go down. Here's a way to do it with options or an inverse ETF. Or, hey, looks like the market's going to rally for a little bit. Short-term, let's play the market to go up. Let's use some, here's some ETF ideas, here's some options ideas on how to make money playing it to go up. So it's some market timing uh, strategies to, to make some money that way. Well, and again, the website is technicalindicatorindex.com. The clock says we have to end the first segment there, but stay tuned. Dr. McHugh will join me again in the next segment, and we'll get his forecast using his technical analysis. Stay with us. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I have the pleasure of chatting once again today with returning guest, Dr. Robert McHugh. Uh, Bob is, uh, I call him the hardest working technical analyst in the business. I think that's true. He puts out a monstrous newsletter every day, works very, very hard, and uh, 
He's um, uncannily accurate at what he does, too, from my experience. So you can check out his work at technicalindicatorindex.com. Bob, you had mentioned uh, in the last segment, uh, I just kind of want to pick up where we left off here, that the technical side of what it is that you do um, is, is showing you that along with the fundamentals, we are in a dangerous place as far as the markets and the economy are concerned. So maybe very briefly, can you give us just a very fundamental definite definition of technical analysis for any of our new listeners that may not be familiar with it? Yeah, what technical analysis does is it really basically looks at uh, the overall mood, psychology of the market. It takes all the information from, from all people everywhere in the world that know everything about anything. And it kind of all, the, the theory is that it all settles in price for products, price for stocks, price for oil, price for gold, price for bonds, whatever market you're looking at, that when you send it, see pricing, uh, that is uh, clearly the accumulation of all knowledge and it's human behavior study all wrapped up into a chart. And the charts are fairly simple and we interpret the chart. The charts are basically telling us where their prices are headed next ahead of time before they move based upon the psychology of patterns and wave mappings and other indicators that we have to measure uh, that psychology. And so it's very helpful behind the scenes, kind of an invisible overall directive, independent of fundamental economics, to say this is what's probably coming. And you can tell if it's severe, gonna be severe or gonna be mild. It's gonna be short term, it's gonna be long term. So it it, kind of gives it the future trends ahead of time, which is kind of nice. So Bob, based on, thank you for that. So based on your technical analysis, your work, and a lot of what you do is proprietary, uh, where do you see U.S. stock market indices going, the S&P 500, the Dow, and so on? Well, the overall overarching large pattern uh, forecast is that it's headed down in a very big way. Short term, you know, they can be that can be influenced based upon, uh, you know, euphoria, false information in the media, and so on like that. But eventually, it always ends up where the big picture is heading, telling you it's headed, and that is down and down big and down for a long time. It's a grand super cycle degree wave four um, event, which is the largest we've had in centuries. Uh, the Great Depression was a super cycle degree wave four. This is a grand super cycle degree wave four. This is bigger than the Great Depression was. So it's, it's going to be around for a long time and it's headed south. So, so Bob, uh, shorter, can, I, can I just jump, can I jump in there a minute, please? Um, yeah. Sure. You know, I think, I think top to bottom, when, when you look at what the Dow did during the Great Depression, uh, there was a 90% decline in the, in stocks. Are you saying, I just want to clarify, you're saying that this has the potential to be bigger than that, or it will be bigger than that in your view? It could be longer, but yeah, it could it could lose ninety percent eventually. It could, yeah, but it, it's going to wow. be for a longer period of time. It's it's uh, yeah, because it's correcting a grand super cycle bull market, which was going around going on for over over a century. So this one is a big corrective decline that we're. I think we've started it, uh, or if we haven't, we're soon going to, uh, according to the charts I have and the patterns, which have been very reliable for years. So I don't see why they wouldn't be right now. Interesting. So uh, 
you see the the the, the Dow or the S and P then down significantly. We'll we'll just say maybe because I think what the S and P now is at about forty six hundred or so. So you know you can see the S and P go to under a thousand then, as far as you're concerned. Yeah, the patterns suggesting that it could go that low eventually. You know whether that's five years from now, ten years from now, two years from now. But yes, that's the, that's the eventual directed target. Yes. Okay. So tell me then, um, just to maybe shift gears for a minute, if we could, if you take a look at gold, um, I know you track precious metals uh, from the end of October uh, to just a couple of weeks ago, gold was up, I want to say 13, 14%, something like that. It made a, a new all-time high. It's been pulling back here for the last week and a half or so. Um, will, will gold benefit as stocks get hammered to use that term well how do you see gold playing out from here that's what the charts are saying also the technical charts are saying that gold is going to have a robust rally a mega rally uh as the stock market is is struggling gold will do well um it has bumped up against this 2000 level about four or five times now over the past decade and uh it, it can't seem to get through. There's enormous resistance, but once it breaks out, I mean, this goal could could go sky high. Could could go farther and higher than we anybody could probably imagine, which probably implies there's going to be some kind of a geopolitical event. Something's going to happen to scare people into running to gold uh, as this deepens, as the bear market deepens, the grand super cycle bear market deepens over time. Gold should do well over the long run. So that is an option for somebody who want to invest in their 401k or something like that. So, Bob, let's, uh, I want to circle back to that if I can, but what we, just to make sure we, we talk about it, you know, it's, uh, if, you, if you look at a, uh, a price chart of long-term U.S. Treasury bonds or an ETF that, that tracks them, uh, you know, from the March of 2020 to the most recent low, you saw long-term treasury bonds down 50% or even more peak, peak to trough if, if, if uh, you know, my research is right. Now we've seen a little bit of a bounce here in long-term U.S. treasuries, but given the, this, this is a fundamental uh, comment again, given the dire state of U.S. government finances, given the next year's an election year, and we'll likely see a deficit again between you know my guess would be two to three trillion we've got a lot of long-term debt that's coming due that's going to have to be financed at much higher interest rates uh fundamentally speaking it just seems like this little bounce that we're seeing here in, in u.s treasuries might be a bit of a a counter trend bounce and that you know at least fundamentally speaking it seems like u.s treasuries are going to have to perform poorly moving ahead do you agree with that or are the charts telling you something different um the charts are showing me that there could end up being a flight to quality benefit for U.S. Treasuries as things darken, uh, that we could expect Treasuries to actually rally uh, over the long term. I'm talking long term here, several years. Uh, short term, you know, yeah, there's there's a it's just dropped a five down, five wave down, which usually is a bottom. So. I could see a bounce up here for a little while and then maybe another bouncing around down a little bit. But 
long-term treasury bonds, I have showing a pretty good rally potential, uh, which probably implies a flight to quality situation from unrest, uh, lack of confidence in whether it will be bank, bank lending, I mean, bank depositing or geopolitical events. Something may draw people to the bonds because of the military strength in the United States. It makes government bonds look somewhat secure to a lot of people when, when trouble comes. So that's kind of what I'm saying. Okay. So basically if, if, if stocks crash, if we see, you know, uh, turmoil, uh, certainly the, the, the interest rates that we're now seeing on us treasuries are much more attractive, but, uh, that will likely mean interest rates will, will go down again. So are, are you, are the charts telling you that interest rates have maybe peaked here? Uh, they could have, they're, they're close to it. It's very possible. Uh, that interest rates will will start coming down um, based on what I'm looking at, yes. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so going back to, uh, you, you know, your, your your platinum trading program and, and, and markets going up or down, um, is, is that typically a, a short-term approach, Bob, or is there an asset class that, you know, you really like and you just say, you know what, I'm going to buy it because, over time, this is this is where I want to be. Or are those days of investing behind us? I do both. I have the very short-term trades, and I have a longer-term, what you just described. I, I like the long-term trend. I'm locking in, and I'm going to wait for it to happen positions, uh, ideas. And then I have the, well, you know what? Over the next two weeks, three weeks, three months, let's let's. I want to think about do this because I see that there's going to be a bounce. There's going to be a, a decline. Like right now, for example, I have a lot of technical charts for short, intermediate term stuff that says this market, stock market's close to topping in a very big way. Um, it's the most overbought stock market we've seen in five years on a daily, weekly, and a monthly scale. We have an indicator here that's very tried and true. The New York Stock Exchange advanced decline line has a bearish divergence, it's declining while the New York Stock Exchange has been rising. Almost every single time that that happens, you're at a stock market top. Um, bullish sentiment is as sky high as you'll see, and every single time bullish sentiment is this high, it's at a stock market top. It's a contrary indicator. An interesting thought, nine out of the last 10 December, January periods, the stock market has topped and dropped. Nine out of 10, there's this Myth that, oh, it's December and markets are going to go higher. Nine out of the last 10 years, the stock market has started a decline in either December or the following January. Um, the Elliott Wave charts I have are, are saying, showing concluding rising patterns. And so, and there's a Dow Theory non confirmation pattern right now, which is a warning that stocks are topping. So I think that we're very close to a stock market top. Um, and, and that we could see this thing just start declining very soon, um, whether that's a week, two weeks, three weeks. Uh, but I think short term, that's that's a position that, you know, we in our programs or our ideas for trading, we, we do address that and set things up for that benefit. Well, it's amazing how fast 12 minutes goes by, uh, Bob, when we're chatting, uh, but we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, my guest today has been Dr. Bob McHugh. His website, again, technicalindicatorindex.com. You can also learn about his platinum trading program there. I would encourage you to check it out. 
Bob, uh, best wishes uh, to you and your family for a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I'd love to have you back next year for an update. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks, Dennis, and Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. Thank you very much. We will return after these words. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Thanks for tuning in today, and thanks to my special guest, Dr. Robert McHugh, for joining me on today's program. If you've not yet done so, there is a little bit of time left to request my December client-only newsletter. The newsletter is titled The You May Not Know Report, and in the December newsletter, I talk about this predictable economic cycle of inflation followed by deflation. I have been writing about this since my Economic Consequences book in 2011. I've been talking about it here on the radio program for that entire time frame. And it seems that that is now where we find ourselves. So if you'd like to get the newsletter that outlines this in detail and also gives you some strategies to consider for your situation, simply visit requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. And when you visit that website, just let me know where to mail the newsletter. I'll be glad to do so absolutely free of charge. And I'll also include a holiday gift. I've got my revenue sourcing book, which was a bestseller when it was released in 2020. It has been updated for 2024. I'd be very glad to send you a copy of that book absolutely free as well when it's available. So again, requestyourreport.com to get the December client-only newsletter, as well as the revenue sourcing book updated for 2024. Now, in the first segment of today's program, I talked about the fact that the Federal Reserve has now, within a 12-day time frame, gone from saying it's too early to speculate on when we might start cutting rates to saying now it's time to discuss a rate-cutting timeline. Now, I believe that the reason for this pivot is the reason that I gave back in 2022 when I suggested that this rate increasing uh, cycle, this, this rate increasing process that the Fed was engaging in would be temporary. And it turns out that it's going to be probably about a two-year time frame. I suggested that it would be temporary simply because it was going to be very, very difficult for the U.S. government to finance its debt, its ever-growing debt, with honest money policies. When you look at the numbers, and I started to walk through this with you in the first segment of today's program, the last fiscal year, the U.S. government had an operating deficit of about $2 trillion. Prior to that, the U.S. had an operating deficit in a couple of years of $3 trillion. 2024 being an election year, and being, me being a somewhat cynical but largely realistic citizen of the United States, I expect that there may be some giveaway programs that will emerge in 2024. So let's just assume that we have a $3 trillion deficit moving ahead. That needs to be financed at a 5% interest rate to finance just interest on a $3 trillion debt you're going to spend about $150 billion. Well, in 2023, the, the last year that the U.S. government uh, closed, um, you see that interest on the debt was about $650 billion. So take $650 billion, add $150 billion to it, and now you have an $800 billion per year carrying cost to service the debt. 
But that doesn't count the $7.5 trillion of government debt that will have to be refinanced. That will likely have to be refinanced at an interest rate about 4% higher uh, than the rate at which it is currently being financed. So if I take 4% of $7.5 trillion, I get another $300 billion. So now I'm at about $1.1 trillion plus a little bit for interest costs on the U.S. debt, and that's probably by the end of 2024. Well, to put that into comparison, that's approaching the total expenditures for the Social Security program, which were which are about $1.35 trillion. Now, if you take a $3 trillion deficit, forget about the debt for a minute. Let me just walk you through the deficit math. There are about 126 million tax returns filed each year in the United States. If we have a $3 trillion operating deficit, that means that every one of you listening to today's broadcast that files a tax return, you're going to have an additional tax liability on top of what you're already paying of about $2,000 a month. Now, let me put that in another context. Let's look at that from a different perspective. Every single person who paid in taxes, every single person that had the government keep some of the payroll taxes that were withheld, you'd have to increase that by about 260% to cover the deficit. And then you have done nothing to pay down the debt. When you add in the fact that the debt is about another $1.6 million per tax return, you find that you cannot raise taxes to a high enough level to solve this problem. So the second option that we have is to have the federal budget cut. We have to cut spending. We have to balance the budget. Now, by my calculations, you would have to cut spending across the board by 41% to balance the budget. That alone would move us, would would catapult us, to use that term, into a deflationary depression. Can you imagine cutting Social Security benefits by 41%, Medicare spending 41%, education spending, defense spending, across the board, 41% to balance the budget? Well, if you can't solve this problem by increasing taxes because the math simply will not allow it. There's just not enough money to do it. And you can't cut spending across the board by 41% without putting the country into a deflationary depression. What's your only other option? Your only other option is to continue currency creation until there is a currency crisis, at which point you're going to have to have a reactionary response. I believe at some point that's what's coming. That's what we've been talking about here on the program for more than a decade. We are moving in slow motion toward that ultimate end, in my view. And that's why I like to offer all of our listeners an opportunity to get some free resources. Uh, We do have a precious metals buyer's guide that we'd like to offer you. You can go to PLP Metals to request that, plpmetals.com. That's papalimapapametals.com. Just let me know your name and address. I'll be glad to send you the Precious Metals Guide. And we also have the December client-only newsletter. And when you request that newsletter by going to requestyourreport.com, 
I will also include a newly updated version of the revenue sourcing book for 2024. So again, go to requestyourreport.com. You'll get the client-only newsletter that talks about this inflation-deflation cycle, and you'll get an updated version of the revenue sourcing book for 2024. That's all the time I have for this week. I'll be back again next week 